Hello all, and welcome to another episode of A Portrait of Possibilities, where curators at the Art Gallery of Ontario interview experts to learn more about our recent acquisition, Portrait of a Lady Holding an Orange Blossom. Throughout the series, we'll talk to specialists on topics as diverse as race, gender, botany, fashion, and art conservation to better understand the world that produced our enigmatic portrait of a woman of color standing outside in lavish dress, offering the viewer more questions than answers. I'm Adam Levine, Assistant Curator of European Art. And I'm Monique Johnson, Interim Assistant Curator of European Art. Today I'm talking to Maria Sullivan, the AGO's Head of Conservation, to ask her about the painting as a physical object and the different materials the artist used to make it. Maria is an expert paintings conservator and has been at the AGO for many years. Before we closed for social distancing, Maria had a really slim window of time to look at the painting and examine it before we put it on the wall. So I'm not gonna ask her any hyper-specific questions today or hold her accountable. And we're gonna keep the conversation pretty general because when we get back, Maria will have a much greater opportunity to look at the painting and study it. Um, so just for a, a totally general question to start, Maria, what are the first things you look for when you're examining a painting? Well, as a conservator, when I first examine a painting, I look at it as a physical object. So how has it been constructed? What materials have been used and how have they been used? I also look for signs of change. How have the materials changed? Have they yellowed or discolored? Um, are there signs of restoration? Is there, you know, overpaint or repainting? Um, is there any obvious damage? So looking for, for clues that the physical object can, can give us. With our painting, what, what are the sorts of materials that were used to put the painting together? Um, so ours is an oil on canvas. So it's, um, it's a canvas that's been stretched onto a wood stretcher and painted with oil paint that would have been built up from a, a, an initial ground layer on the canvas. And then the artist would have used several layers of paint to build up the image. Can you tell us about the sorts of pigments that a painter might have used in the 18th century? Yeah, Prussian blue is uh, a common blue that was used in the 18th century. It's something that was first, um, first made at the beginning of the 18th century and then it became very popular. Um, other blues in use at the time include azurite and ultramarine. Ultramarine was very expensive at the time, so it wasn't very frequently used. Um, other colors that were, um, that were used might have been like a vermilion, which is a red color. Um, verdigris, which is a green, a copper-based green, um, earth pigments such as ochres and umbers, um, and charcoal or ivory black. What's ivory black? I, you know, I sort of think <laughs> of ivory as white and... Yeah, so, so it actually is, um, is, is a black pigment that was made by burning ivory. Um, that's, oh, wow. that's really difficult to think of these days, but um, uh, most um, black pigments um, at that time were made by burning different materials. So um, ivory black was actually made by burning ivory. And it was the carbon-based material that was, that was left. So lamp black is another black that was commonly used and that would have been different materials, but again, sort of a combustion and um, remaining carbon materials. Looking at the, uh, the lady holding an orange blossom um, and this like very distinctive blue dress that she's wearing, do you think that that could be Prussian blue? Is that the sort of hue that, of blue that you associate with Prussian blue? Yeah, it's, um, it, 
Not directly, but it's, it's, it's possible. I think that's my best guess about what it could be. Azurite is another pigment. It's a copper-based pigment that was in use at the time as well. Um, but Prussian blue was so popular in the 18th century that it's, it's, a, good, it's a good possibility. Um, I think it's very unlikely to be ultramarine. Um, so so it, it could be Prussian blue. And, and sometimes they're mixed, the blues are mixed with other pigments to create a slightly different blue color. So that, can, fascinating. that can affect yeah. the, um, the, the, the end result of the blue. And sometimes some of those pigments in the mixture can change over time or the yellow um, or the oil binder can, can, can yellow a bit and change the, um, change the appearance. And then after a painting is made, it gets a layer of varnish, right? Yes. Yes, and generally. So, and, and does it look like our painting has had a layer of varnish applied? Uh, yes. So um, a traditional painting like this would have been varnished um, probably by the artist um, sometime after painting. Varnish is typically yellow. The natural resin varnishes will start to yellow after about 30 years. So um, you can imagine over a period of time that the varnishes would become very yellow. So that's something when we talk about cleaning paintings, removing varnish, that's something that's, that's, that's often done um, to remove this yellow layer and replace it with a clear new varnish so that you get a truer sense of the colors. And certainly in this painting, we can tell that it probably has been um, varnished and re-varnished a number of times over the years. What else have you observed just from your sort of slim window of time looking at the painting uh, that you, you know, what have you seen looking at the painting? Well, we've, um, again, as you mentioned, it was a very brief period of time that we had to look at the painting. It was, um, so I haven't unfortunately spent much time with it, but, um, you know, so it's clear that the painting has been restored a number of times. We do know, we can tell by looking at it that some of the important passages of the painting are in good condition, parts of the face and some of the jewelry and the pearls. We know that the um, the painting was was lined, so that's it's it's painted on canvas, and um, sometimes those canvases become weak, or they have um, or they're damaged over time, and so a common restoration technique is to glue a second canvas to the back of the original canvas to support it. Mm -hmm. So that happened at some point at some point in the past. You know, we can tell looking at those, as I mentioned, those, um, the, some of those details are, are um, very finely, very finely done. And um, we were talking about pigments earlier. I suspect that a lead white pigment was probably used in those pearls and some of those lace details on the dress. Lead white is, um, was also very commonly used uh, at that time. And it's a very durable pigment, which would explain how those delicate paint strokes would have held up so well over time. It feels sort of lucky, right, that, that yeah. history is, has worked out this way because that's, I think, some of the finest passages in the painting are made from one of the most durable pigments available yes. to the painter. <laughs> um, you mentioned that it, it looks like, you know, that there are signs of many different restoration campaigns. And what do you think that means about the kind of life that this painting has lived? Right. Um, we know that it's been well taken care of. Um, you know, restoration isn't something that um, is... It, it costs money to do that, and um, and people would generally only do that if they were looking out for um, for an artwork. So um, I think it really indicates that this painting was very important to its owners, and that in the past it was very well cared for. Another thing that really stands out to me that sort of speaks to the historic importance of this painting is the number at the top left of the painting. Mm -hmm. 
Um, have you had a chance to, is that painted on or what is that tiny little passage at the top left of the painting? Yeah, it is. That's really interesting. And that's pretty unusual as well. It isn't painted on. It seems to be a paper label that was at some point affixed to the surface of the painting. And then it's been varnished over. So we know that it's been there for for quite a while. We don't know quite when it was put on, but I think it'll be interesting to have a closer look at that and try to figure out the layering and get what information we can from that. And so it's the number 52 in, in ink, I think, on paper. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me because that means that this painting had at least 51 uh, compatriots in a, in a historic <laughs> collection at some time, right? It was right. hung in a house with with at least 51 other paintings that, you know, at one point in history, someone made an inventory of all of the works of art in their collection. Right. And, and that also sort of speaks to the place of pride that this painting had, mm -hmm. that this was important enough to sort of count in this inventorying process and that at, in, in, at a point in history, it was assigned value and that it really was significant to the owner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's a great point, and I think the um, sort of the the history of the painting in terms of materials that what we talked about before, how it's obviously been restored a number of times, that speaks to the the care that someone has shown it over the years. When you looked at the painting, were you able to see if there was an artist's signature or or any sort of indication of of the artist's identity? <laughs> So we knew before it came in that there was a signature somewhere at the bottom left um, of the painting. It turns out to be incredibly difficult to see under normal circumstances. Um, we haven't had yet had a chance to um, bring the painting to our conservation center to have a closer look. But with a very strong flashlight, um, looking very closely, you can just see a hint of a signature. As I mentioned, it's very difficult to see. So I, I'm hoping with some imaging techniques that we'd be able to have a get a better sense of what it actually says. What happened? Did, did the paint of the signature fade or why is it so difficult to see now? It's a little bit hard to say, um, again, because we haven't looked at it very closely, but it looks to me like there's a varnish over the signature and that has blanched. And what I mean by that is sometimes a varnish can, um, can get this fine cracking in it and turn a slightly whitish color and that is obscuring the signature to some, to some degree. So it actually has this layer over top of the signature that's, that's hiding it in a way. So as soon as we get back, you know, we're, we're so excited to get back to work on this painting. What are some things that you imagine you might do to study the painting once you have it up in your lab? Right. We'd love to have a closer look at it up in the lab. Having a closer look with a microscope can give us an awful lot of information about the painting. So that would be one of the first things we do. We also have the ability to do quite a lot of technical imaging. So we would look at it under different types of light and capture that with photography. So we would use ultraviolet light to um, look at the surface of the painting that can give us a lot of information about the varnish, about more recent overpaint or retouches, restorations that have happened. We will also use um, infrared light, which is a longer wavelength light. And a lot of artist pigments are actually transparent to infrared, which means that we can almost, in a way, look through the paint layer to see if there might be an underdrawing underneath. But it can also give us different information about the materials used in the painting. 
We also have the ability to do x-rays in conservation. So that's something that might give us more information, you know, and then we could collaborate with others like the conservation, Canadian Conservation Institute in Ottawa to analyze the pigments and materials and figure out exactly what the chemical composition of the blue is. So we could confirm whether it's Prussian blue or, or some other type of blue. Maria, um, one question that I have is thinking about the, the canvas and the stretcher and the pigments and the oil, all of the materials that go into making the painting, do you think that any of them can give us a clue as to whether the painter is working in, in Europe or in the Caribbean or in Asia? You know, can we sort of look closely at these materials and, and try to come to some new understanding about, about the location of the painting? So it's a really interesting question. I think um, there are some materials that might help us there. Um, we could potentially look at the, the stretcher for the type of wood. At, at this point, we don't actually know if the stretcher is original to the painting or not. So we'd have to mm -hmm. look more closely at that. We could look at the canvas, the lining canvas and the original canvas. It's still quite possible that a lot of the materials the artist was using came from Europe or, or somewhere else. So. Um, it might not help, but there's the potential for something there that might, that might help us, but it's hard to say at this point. That's exciting. I feel like there is, um, even just going through the process and confirming that all of the materials, you know, that the canvas is woven in Europe, but that the stretchers are, are European pine or whatever it is, um, it, it's still gonna be, I think, part of our ongoing process of, of trying to narrow down possibilities and, and come to more certain conclusions about the painting. Right, I think you never know, when you're looking at something like this, you never know what you might find. And it can be just a small thing hidden somewhere in one of the layers that, that can open it all up and reveal lots of information to you. So the possibilities are really exciting. It sounds like there is so much that we stand to learn as soon as we get back into the building <laughs> and get back to work. Um, I'm really, really excited to keep working on this project with you. Thank you so much, Maria. This has been really, really insightful. Yeah, my pleasure. It's a really exciting project and a lovely painting. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us next time when we'll look closely at the costume worn by the lady in our portrait as we speak to Dr. Ingrid Maida, dress detective, and Dr. Alexandra Palmer, the Nora Yvonne Senior Curator, Global Fashion and Textiles at the Royal Ontario Museum.